Hey, folks, welcome to this episode of The Jason Wright Show. Hey, listen, so I was in Houston on a trip here recently, and I got to visiting with a buddy of mine, a colleague, uh, and we started talking about uh, self-improvement and just kind of all the different things, that all the different tools we have at our disposal to make ourselves better. And we got into this incredible conversation about health and wellness, about relationships. And Giovanni, who you're about to hear from, is actually uh, significantly younger than me. I think I even bring it up in the podcast that he's actually young enough to be my son, which, wow, how did that happen? Where did those years go by? But nevertheless, I was really impressed with the fact that Giovanni is getting his brain wrapped around some elements of self-improvement, self-development, and improving always and always at a very, very young age. It just impressed upon me that, man, how great he is figuring these things out at such an early age. And so I said, whenever we were talking, I said, man, this needs to be a podcast. I need to have this conversation with you and record it for others to listen to because there's no specific agenda. It's not about neuroscience. It's not about somebody coming in and talking about gut health. It's not not about the, the latest book I've read that's really blowing my mind. This is just um, two guys talking about, okay, we've got this thing called life. We've got a body. We've got a mind. We've got a soul. How are we feeding those things? How are we improving upon those things to make us better when we go out and function in the real everyday world with other human beings in such a way that it might inspire them and encourage them to, to be better themselves, but most importantly, constantly trying to make ourselves better. So I asked Giovanni to uh, to come on the show, and he said, hey, I want to come to Tyler and sit down with you. And so, you know, I welcomed him into the Vitruvian Lab, which not many people get to come up here. So that was a pretty big deal. And uh, this is what that conversation sounded like. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks. All right, Giovanni, welcome to welcome to the Vitruvian Lab. You're one of very few people that have actually been in the Vitruvian Lab and the first ever interview I've ever done up here. Congratulations. No, thanks for having me. It's great up here. Yeah, this is my little hideaway, dude. This is where I just kind of go to get away from the world. And I told you, I think, whenever we were first talking about this, it's literally like a laboratory for audio and all that stuff. You can see all the junk sitting around. This is just a, a an example of trial and error, my man. I thought I had a lot of books, um, <laughs> but I'm definitely going to have a shelf like this one day in an office like this where I can escape and keep everything out and focus, you know, so <laughs> yeah. hopefully, hopefully one day I can get there. Well, it's, uh, yeah, this is definitely my happy place and my books. Uh, yeah, man, I love them. So, well, let me just kind of get to how this all started, why you're here. So you and I, we are in Houston, uh, about a week ago and we just start talking about self-improvement and all the things that you're doing. And obviously you're a listener of the show and you, um, you know, you subscribe to the Vitruvian letter and we start geeking out on this stuff that, you know, we're doing to try to improve always and always. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I thought, you know, we should be having this conversation on the show. And so that's why I wanted to get you here. Now you're much younger than I am, probably old enough to be your dad, which it's so it's so weird now <laughs> hanging out with people having conversations and going. It's okay on. though we're colleagues. We're colleagues. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. And um, so if you know, feel free to throw any questions out. You know, this isn't just an, me interviewing you. Mm-hmm. I want this literally to be like a conversation dealing with what it means to uh, improve your mind, your body, your spirit, uh, kind of the whole Vitruvian way and uh, the show. So let's just start with kind of. Is this something regarding your self-improvement that you were sharing with me whenever we were in Houston, is this something that you have um, been doing for some time? And if not, when did it start and kind of where did it start? So uh, being in Texas for about half my life now, I've seen the differences between back home in New York where I'm from and, and here in Texas. And I've just, I've come to appreciate hard work from my dad, my mom. Um, my whole family, my grandparents, all my aunts and uncles, they've taught me, um, you need to earn everything. That's mm-hmm. something that I've come to learn, uh, as I've gotten older is that you, you don't get anything without working for it. So once I started community college, um, in 2015 in Fort Worth, I decided, you know, I want to make a change. I went to the doctor after, uh, my last season of baseball, my senior year of high school. And the doctor said, you know, you need to get into an activity. You need to do something because you're, you're going to start to see changes now because no one's forcing you to go outside. No one's forcing you to do anything or improve yourself. Um, and that's when I remember, that's when I realized I need to start doing physical improvement. 
Um, so I wasn't at the mental side yet, but physical improvement came first. Mm-hmm. Um, if, cause if your body's not right then you can't really get your mind right. And it, they, they kind of work in tandem yeah. as you would know. So I, I started go, go to the gym. I started to exercise. I started to go routinely. I used to work at a pizza place and deliver every night and we'd close at 10, get out at 11. And I got a 24 hour fitness membership. I started going at midnight, 1am gyms empty. And I loved it. And it was just a place where, you know, I didn't, I didn't go to a real college. I didn't go to Tarleton state yet. I didn't have the university life. So I got to focus on myself and just, I just went down every night, five, six days a week, going to the gym, go to work, go to school, do the cycle. And it, it got, it got to be a, almost a therapy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get into the mental side really until, um, about last year where I started journaling again. I started, uh, you know, listening to podcasts, you know, like yours, more self-improvement and, uh, and just, you know, trying to dive deeper into how I can improve mentally so I can be a better person and a better father and, and husband once I get into a relationship and possibly be, have kids in the future. So I want to, this is going to be kind of a segue into your dad's story and we don't have to go to, we can go as deep as you want, but it is one of the most remarkable stories I've heard. Um, first question, how much, and you mentioned this a little bit just a minute ago, but how much of an impact has your dad had on how you're living your life and to have that discipline at a young age, how old are you? I'm 24. Yeah. So you're just a pup. And so to have some of the things that we've talked about and the reason why I want you on the show at your age to have your mind around those things is very unusual, but it doesn't surprise me knowing your dad's story. So tell this audience a little bit about the enormous change in life that your dad made. So around 2008, 2009, when the, uh, when the economic crash happened, uh, New York was hit pretty hard. Um, and we were one of those families that, you know, we needed to get up and do something. Uh, we needed to adapt, find a new way of work. And um, what my dad did, he did something not every kid would do, uh, not every person would do for their family. Uh, and, they, you know, everybody tries to do the best for their family. But uh, he got up and joined the Army at 40 years old. Uh, it was one of the hardest days in my life when he left for basic training. It was a very, very difficult time. Um, nobody... Nobody on Long Island understands that. There's no military bases around. There's no there's no posts around. But um, so it was it was weird being the kid, the only kid to have a parent in the military at the time yeah. in sixth grade, um, and understanding this isn't normal. Um, but hard times, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I know my my mom held the fort down at home. She was the bedrock of the house. Um, and then in 2010, 2011, we got the news we're moving to Texas, Fort Hood, um, and he got stationed there uh, and. He soon after that deployed to Iraq, and he's 41 years old and serving overseas, and it's just it's it's amazing. Um, I, I didn't even know you could enlist. It's at 40. It's it's changed a little bit, but he came back from Fort Knox in basic training um, between AIT and basic, and he looked completely different. Lost right. all the weight, yeah. um, and it was just insane. Uh, just I could never. I, I don't even think I could make it today. And I work out every day. I, I try to eat healthy. I don't think I can make it through basic. And he's there with kids half his age who he could be their dad. And he's in the gas chamber going through yeah. uh, basic. He's he he's doing his thing. And he came out. And the, the motto is he did what he had to do. You do what you got to do. Yeah. I go to work every day because I do what I want. I yeah. do what I got to do. Yeah. I got to pay the bills. You got to do what you got to do. And if you go through life with that mindset and you have then – I don't have children, but he understands he's got to, he's got to take care of a family. Yeah. Um, we moved to Fort Benning, then back to Fort Worth, you know, after he got restationed there after deployment and he just, he then became a police officer, 45. Yeah, and, that's, again, and it's and, again, who becomes a police officer at 45? I, I ran into the, the Dallas police association, uh, uh, president in 2019 when I worked the legislative session at the Capitol at a uh, happy hour. And he said, wait a minute, I know your last name. He goes, who's your dad? And I told him, he said, he started grabbing his buddies to come over to us. And he said, guys, this is the guy, this is, this is the kid, his dad, I saw at the range shooting in the academy and he was in his mid forties. And I was like, what is he doing here? (laughs) So he's like, I can't believe it. He's like, I just couldn't believe how, how, how I saw somebody his age in the academy going through. And I said, yeah, it's just been the story of our lives ever since, you know, 2008, 2009. And we've just been, we've been trekking life like that since. Dude, I think that is such a cool story. And, you know, as I am, I'm 47 now, so I'm two years older than your dad was whenever he became a cop. And, you know, the, the older I get, and that's probably why the story resonates with me more, is, is because I, I, I try to do a lot of things now that most people wouldn't even attempt at 47 years old. For that reason, it's like, you know, 
age is just a number and you got to keep yourself. And that's one of the things we'll talk about with the importance of staying fit and healthy is that, you know, if you, if you really say that age is just a number, then you got to be willing to keep yourself ready to do the things that you want to do. And so I just, I, I, my, my hope is that anyone listening to the show today would take from that, that, Hey, you might be, Zig Ziglar used to say this. He said, if you're 50 years old and you decide you want to go to law school, and but you go, I'm, I'm, I'm too old. I'm 50 years old. He said, here's the thing. You're going to wake up one day. You're going to be 54. You still want to go to law school. Exactly. The only difference is you're 54, you know, so go. And, and, you know, it's like we're, we, we put all these parameters and constraints on ourselves that, um, that are unnecessary and to see, and then just that, that work ethic and the fact that your dad was that example for you as someone that just said, you do what you got to do. Dude, that is an education that no school could ever teach you that you got to see firsthand. And then to watch him live that motto out, that's just so and, incredible. And that's why I can preach. I tell, I tell people all the time, you need a father in the home. You need your, you need that that figure, that role model, somebody that you can lean on to show you. Yeah. I don't have an older brother. I don't have an older sister to show me how things work. I have a lot of examples and family members who show me the ropes and you know the ways to do things. So family is very important in that aspect. And then you said those restraints, those self-restraints. I used to put on the restraint that I couldn't wake up at 4.45 every morning. Yeah. Um, and by no means, I'm not a fitness guru, but I used to say, oh, I can't do that. I have to be at work at 8, you know, and I have to get up at 6.30, shower at 7, get ready, and then I have school too. So, you know, how am I supposed to start my day that early? And right. how am I supposed to change my sleeping habits? I don't go to bed till midnight. I'm on my phone. So I decided to make a change, and uh, one of my, my coworkers does it. So I said, you know what, let me try it. And one morning at 4.45, I woke up, got to the gym at 5. I leave at 6, 6.15, get an hour of exercise in, and I've been doing it now for seven months, and it's changed me. How, how, how magical is it getting up really early before, before, basically before the world wakes up? It's how, great. Yeah. It's, I mean, I've said to myself now, when I wake up on off days, cause I have to take a rest day, I'll wake up on the off day at six 30 and go, man, had I on normal days, I'm already up and at it for two hours. Yeah. It's like, look at all the time that people are wasting if they don't get up. And that used to be me. Yeah. And I try to expand my day. And I always say the motto is, man, you could sleep when you're dead. Yeah. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm. I want to do more. I'm, I just want to see more. I'm always unhappy with, with where I am. I always want to be better. But that's not to say as well, you shouldn't be grateful for where you are. Because I'll tell you right now, like at the job I'm at, three years ago, I prayed for that. Yeah. And I still, I'm grateful for it. But you need, you always want to improve, but you always be grateful for where you came from. I'm grateful for my New York time, the, spend I, the time I spent home. But there needs to be a change. Yeah. There needs to be a change for improvement. And you have to be willing to change and willing to network and willing to go out there and chase it. You can't just sit back and wait for someone to do it for you. You know, that's um, that's one of the things that, again, as I've gotten older, is that I used to have this problem, Giovanni, that I looked on the past with great nostalgia. I looked to the future with anxiety, and I completely disregarded the present and what was going on. And now, a lot of the reason why, yes, I wake up early because of the benefits of it. I love, I, I, I have to beat the sun up every day. I feel like I'm behind the eight ball if I get up and the sun's already shining. I, and and it's just, the, the, the world is quiet. And, and I think of, you know, Jaco Willings always talking about how he still has this mindset that there's a guy in a cave planning to kill him and he wants to get up before that guy. Well, I don't think there's anybody in a cave trying to kill me. <laughs> at least I hope not. But I do know that while most people are sleeping, I'm not a naturally gifted person. I need a head start. And so I give myself a head start on the day when everyone else is getting that shut eye. And it has really been such a remarkable thing. And I just, I think it's just appreciating life more. And then you, you mentioned something too, that I never want people to be confused by the motto of the show, which is improve always and always means that you're not enough, that somehow you must need to improve because it, it, that's, that's absolutely the wrong message. What I always want is for, and you know, going back to the name of my newsletter and the whole Vitruvian project, it's like there's always room for improvement. And it's just making those tiny little changes every day to be, yes, you, you said it well, be so grateful for what you have and where you are to the extent that you're grateful for the ability to make, to get just a little better, a better at your relationships, better physically, better nutritionally, better spiritually, whatever that means to you. And yeah, I, I got to commend you, man, to uh, to have the maturity at your age to to get your brain wrapped around some of those things, especially the getting up early. That one's that one. It, it's funny, whenever I coach people, 
one of the hardest things for them, and, and whenever I do surveys, like before I write curriculum for a, a class or whatever, and like whenever I was getting ready for the six-week Vitruvian challenge, mm -hmm. two things that were almost universal from everyone that filled out the survey on things they wanted to improve. One was either getting up earlier or getting up and exercising early in the morning or nutrition. There's something about just getting up early and eating right that is really hard for people. But once you do that, man, it's going to be hard for you. I can tell you as someone like, again, that's old enough to be your dad. It's hard to go back to ever. I've never been a late sleeper anyway, but to the, the thought of sleeping to like, 7 30 or 8 it's like oh man i just feel i would i feel so disappointed i mean it just it, it blows my mind i've never been a late sleeper either and i've even had i still sometimes have trouble keeping the habit of sleeping um but it just you have to you have to understand there is there is so many so much time in a day and right. if you're trying to get trying to meet a goal you know especially fitness or you know mental health too you you have to you have to want it you know no one's pushing me to right. go yep. to the gym every morning Who's who cares? No one cares. The bill's still gonna come out of my 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 <laughs> bank every month that right. I'm going. That I'm paying for this gym membership. Why not make the most of it? Right. You know, I I just I hate to see it go to waste, and and that's not the work ethic I was instilled with. And you know, you talk about we talk about hope maybe we talk more about relationships yes. coming up. Um, but that's that's something that I have to work on too, and I've definitely learned a lot of things in that that regard in only the last six months, uh, seven, eight months. So, um, and especially hearing your story about that, then it just means that if you can come back from that, I feel like if I'm half your age or anything, I can come back from this, no problem. Yeah. Um, and it's just, a, I've, I've learned that there's always something to learn. You know, I could have said, why go all the way up to Tyler to speak to Jason in person? That's four hours away. Gas is so expensive. And I said, you know what? There's a lot of people my age who don't get experiences, and you know what? I'm all about the experience. I don't. I, money is a second factor, but you know, of course, I I stay within my means. But you have to learn that life is once you understand how critically short life is, and especially your young prime, where money, energy, and time all meet at their peak at the same time. Once you understand that peak is very short, you will start running to doing everything that you think you can't do, and it's just that's why I. I'm, I'm on the ball every time I'm looking for new opportunities. I'm looking for things to do because I'll buy that ticket to that game. Yeah. I'll, I'll go have that drink with that friend. I'll go on the date that even though I might not think I'll marry her one day, maybe I'll go on the date, conversate, get a good friend out of it. Just I'll go do that experience. Dude. And <clears throat> I know that there's a lot of people listening to this that are, or that are going to listen to this. They're going to be like, if only I had had that attitude when I was 24 years old because you, you just said that beautifully, brother. You know, there's the old saying, uh, youth is wasted on the young, mm -hmm. uh, but it hasn't been wasted on you. And, you know, I was that guy that uh, when I was your age, you know, I was obsessed with financial success, business success, and living up to, to the, um, the standards or image that others had of me instead of taking advantage of moments. And it's interesting, this morning before you got here, I... I did an interview with my buddy, James Quandall, who's with his wife, Emily, over in Norway right now. And there's a great book that you're going to love. I'm going to recommend to you. And let me, let me just, let me take a break. Let's see here. If I sound like I'm far away from my microphone, because I am, so stick with me, folks. All right, it's called Die With Zero. Uh, and the guy's last name is Perkins. I, don't, I can't remember what uh, James told me his first name was, but he's going to actually... Check out the James Quandall show. Hey, if you're listening to this, listen to the James Quandall show whenever he's got a uh, guy by the last name of Perkins on who wrote the book Die With Zero. And one of the things that he just said that you just beautifully articulated was he's into creating memory dividends. And he said, you know, if you look at you know, most people, what they do is they save up in their 401k and they, 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 they you know, put all these things that they want to do off in life, like for what you paid to get here in gas from Austin. They, they put that away and they think when I'm 65, I'll retire. I'll have this huge 401k. But here's what he realized. He looked at the actuarial tables and he figured out that from the time we are 50 on to our death, most people, their expenses start to reduce dramatically their 401k and their savings start to increase, which makes no sense because it's like, okay, wait a minute. 
we're, we're getting closer to this age that we've been saving to do all these amazing things, yet our income or our assets are growing, our expenses are lessening, something's not right. So why not? And by the way, you know, he said, you know, if, if you are 50 and you decide to take that trip to Norway, as we were talking about this morning, he said, you have on average 20 years worth of memory dividends to, to reap from that trip if you wait till you're 50. Whereas you at your age at 25, you know, if you decide, you know what, I'm going to take a couple of weeks off and I'm going to go to the other side of the world. Well, think of all those years. You've got nearly 50 years that you will be able to reap the dividends of that experience. Now, granted, deciding to not take that five grand, which you can take a pretty decent trip for $5,000, not put it in your 401k, not putting in a saving for a, a house that's probably bigger than what you're going to need. You think, well, I'm not going to be able to do that thing. But the dividend of those memories and those experiences will last you so much mm-hmm. longer and it sounds to me like you've kind of got your brain wrapped around that. So, so I've got one experience where I can definitely relate to that 100%. So we were supposed to go to the new Yankee Stadium for our staff retreat. Uh, new, I'm sorry, the new Rangers ballpark. Um, and, and I had Yankees tickets with my family. And we always go once a year when they come down. Um, and so it got canceled. COVID hit. Restrictions came. And we couldn't go. So last April, April 2021, the new stadium opened up to fans. And the Padres are coming to town, and they're cheap tickets. So I said, I said to my brother, "Let's go. I'll pay for everything. I don't care. I don't care. I'll spend a hundred dollars. I want to go to a game. I just want to go. It's a Friday. I have a half day. Let's go." So I could easily put this experience off, right? I live three hours away. Traffic in Waco is terrible. It's going to take me probably four hours. I have to pay for gas. Then I'll have to pay for food. I'll pay for parking. I offered it. So I said, it, it's, it's, it's worth the cost, right? So, of course, I got to pay for everything. Pick up my brother, then go to Arlington, and then go to the game, finally, hopefully in time. Well, I made the trek. I make the trip. We go. Sure enough, we stay the whole game, and the Padres throw the first ever no-hitter in their franchise history. Wow. They were the last team to never have one. They were one hitter away from a perfect game. And I said to myself, that was so worth it. I look at the videos in my camera roll and the photos. I just think about that day and I start smiling. I'm smiling right now. That was an amazing experience. I'm not a Padres fan. I'm not a Yankees fan, but I witness history. There's only been so many no hitters in our life. And you're, what are the chances I'm going to be at one, especially living three hours away from a, from a major league stadium? Right. It was worth every penny. I don't even remember how much I spent. I think I spent maybe $200 total food, parking, tickets, gas, everything. Worth it. Yeah. A million percent. Then wound up seeing another no hitter a month later. The Yankees throwing their no hitter, and it's insane. But and then I wind up and I know when I come up for these games, I'm not going to go home until 1 a.m., 2 a.m. in Austin. Yeah, I know I'm going to get two hours of sleep the next day. But guess what? It's so worth it. Yeah, it's so worth it. And I'm going to look back and tell my kids, my grandkids, hopefully one day, that I saw these games. And yeah. these are invaluable experiences. You're never going to see something like that in person again. Then again, I saw it twice. Yeah. Not your average person will. Not your average person won't see it once. That's a memory you cannot be stolen from you. Your education can't be stolen from you. But those memories just can't be taken, and they're priceless. You can't put a price on them, no matter how much you per year you make. Man, I wish I'd had that attitude when I was twenty four. You have no idea. I uh, I still remember this time whenever I was an undergrad, and uh, some of my fraternity brothers, they uh, they left during. I want to say it was like during midterms or something like that. They took off and they drive from Nacogdoches to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. And so they drive through the night. You get there, they party. They're, they have to turn around and come back. And are at, and they all show up with their beads at the party that we all had because I guess this was like on a uh, – they left early or in the middle of the night on Friday. And I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the bottom line is they show up to this party that we were having – having just come from Mardi Gras, literally just drove there, partied, and drove back. And I would have never said yes to that. And they, the, the way it got it happened is one one of my fraternity brothers decided, let's just go to Mardi Gras. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And they woke one of the other ones up and said, we're going to Mardi Gras. And they're, like, they're all like, okay. I would never have done that. And here's the thing. Fast forward. So for any of you young people out there, be responsible, do the right things, but just understand, calculate the risk, Every single one of those fraternity brothers that went on that trip to Mardi Gras, 
They're all gainfully employed. They're, they're doing just fine, and they've also got that memory. Jason Wright, I was gainfully employed and all that, but I don't have that memory. I never would have gone. And that's why I've told my daughters, who are both, one's about to graduate from college, and she took this advice a little literally, a little more literally than she probably should have. But I'm sorry, Rylan, if you hear this. <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding with you, baby. But, you know, I told them when they're in, when, since they've been in college, is I want you to have those experiences. You will have experiences now that you'll never have again for the rest of your life. Now, be, be responsible. Uh, but, you know, I think that that's, again, it goes back to what I told you earlier, man. I, so failed to appreciate the present for so much of my life. And now that I realize the, the, the presents uh, under the tree of life are going to be fewer and fewer and fewer, you got to take advantage of them. So I admire that you, you got your brain around that. And, and I got an experience like that I miss. And it's more of an overall. Um, I, when I was at, I paid my way through undergrad. Yeah. I was in a fraternity, paid my dues there. Uh, my parents weren't going to pay for that. Same. So I was responsible for that, which also helped me in my work ethic. But uh, and don't you, yeah, don't you appreciate that? I, I 100% do. And I chose a, and I and I, I don't know what told me at 19, don't go to Texas A&M. I know I got accepted. Don't go to Texas A&M. And instead, go to a school closer to home a little bit, just further away, but go live there, do your thing, take in the experiences, because this prime time of your life, you're not going to get it back, right. never. And you can only you can only do it once. Yeah. So I chose Tarleton State, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. I met some of my best friends there. Um, the people I've met there are amazing. Um, it's a small little town. It's the best-kept secret for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the things I can fall back and say that I regret, and, and that, that commercial with Ewan McGregor, he does. He goes, we're not going to regret the things we didn't buy. We're going to regret the things we did, the places we didn't go. That's exactly and, right. And do. So I was known for going home a lot on the weekends. I didn't drink it actually until I turned 21. Yeah. So I, uh, I went home a lot on the weekends, but I had to work. And I chose to work at the job that I worked at the pizza places and everything in Fort Worth. So I did miss a lot of good times. Um, and now I look back and say there's a few memories that I didn't have. Right. Um. So and I only spent three semesters in Stephenville. So do I do I regret some of that? Of course, everybody's going to have some regret, but I'm making up for it by the time spending in Austin and the time that I'm trying to now create new memories with. And hopefully, I would still consider myself at a young age and yeah. try to, you know, pe- pe- people have some regrets that they didn't do things. Well, it's your time to change it because the time's now to change that. I actually wrote an article a while back, maybe a year ago, uh, titled "Make Regret Your Enemy," and you know, that's one of the things that I'm trying to do as well, man. And, and, and I think that's very smart of you because here's the deal. One of the things that I, I like to remind people of is that there is no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. It does not exist, but there will be an imaginary pot sitting by your bed as you get old and you can't do anything. And you pick up the gold along the way and either you're going to lie there with this little imaginary mm-hmm pot filled with memories of, you know golden memories and 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 times that you you like you said are priceless or it's going to be empty and by then it's too late to fill it it's done and if you just have that mindset of you know enjoy the journey and pick up the gold along the way so that whenever you come to the end of your road at some point you look down and you go if i die today my pot is full of gold and that's what i try to convince my daughters that you know stop slow down and enjoy those times all right so when did you know shifting gears a little bit when did the whole mental aspect did you start wanting to take better control of i guess thoughts and what did that mean mm-hmm. to you so so about five years ago i bought a uh, empty journal from barnes noble it's okay. got a leather cover on it i love it um and i would write a quote at the top and i'd write the date and the time and i'd i make an entry about what i did that day or what i'm thinking and then at the end i'll always say till next time and I'll sign it because there's always going to be a next time. Yeah, I love that. Um, there's actually a ripped page at the beginning that says, there's a little caption next to it that says, this isn't where my the story begins, but it's where I'm starting to write it. And so there it shows that I had, that rip shows that I have a past that will affect the future entries, but I won't let it affect it in a negative way. So that's awesome, man. I, Did you come up with that? I came up with that myself. I love that. So, and, and, and the funny part is it's actually because I made an error 
on a, the first page. And I said, oh, I don't want to start out like this. Bad handwriting. There was a, there was wrong word spell. I ripped it. So I said, wait a minute. How can I make the best of this rip? Yeah. And it's just a metaphor for the whole entire story of why I bought it. It's fantastic. Is that now I've utilized that rip and I didn't let the past affect that rip. I made it to where it's going to work for the future. Yeah. Um, and I'm five years into this journal. It's still the same journal. I did. I was very spotty. Um, but that's where the mental aspects came. I'm, I'm writing in it much more often now. Um, and it's helped me because now <laughs> I think about it. I'm actually smiling about it because, for example, in the previous relationship I had, I didn't write in it much. But I look back and read what I did write, and it's helped me understand what my mindset was at that moment. Mm. So, like, maybe before or after a fight we had. I would look at, say, see what was I thinking at that time? Because it's easy to go back and just assume how you were feeling. Right. But I have written down words of what I was thinking, how I played how I played the scenario in my head, what I could have done to be better as a partner, and how I could be better in the future. So now I see, wait a minute, I was, I was definitely infatuated here. I was definitely rushing. It was only, you know, two dates in. I'm already locking this thing up. Maybe I'm going to be better next time. Yeah. So I'm seeing in this journal that, you know, the whole four years building up. Yeah, I wanted a relationship. I always wanted one. Um, but now I've learned you don't need to rush that. You need to take your time and really see the playing field. So the mental aspect came really with that journal. And it's now only getting better and it's tying in with the physical improvement. Um, and that's where I'm trying to get to. I'm trying to keep that journey going. You know, that's so, you know, I've, I try to tell people all the time, the power of journaling, putting your thoughts on paper. And a lot of people just, they don't, if they've never done it, especially like, well, what am I going to write? Who cares? Write a sentence. Say, first of all, if you can't think of anything to write, write something you're thankful for. I have one entry of one line. When yeah. I moved out of the first place, I moved to Austin. I said, I'm out of that house. Thank God. <laughs> and I signed it and went to the next day. Yeah, that's it. That's all it that's takes. It. That's it. all it takes. takes. Well, um, and so, and you mentioned the relationship. And yes, we we got to get in. I think that's actually what made me um, want to have this conversation. and Because it, it led into mm -hmm. all these other things that you're, you're doing to try to improve. And, you know, I think especially some of the younger people that are listening to this, a, a, as a guy who... Is, is way down the road on the other side of, you know, a first marriage and that I probably should have never, although just disclaimer, thank God that marriage happened. Otherwise I wouldn't have Rylan and Abby. I mean, I say the same thing about the relationship I just had. Yeah. So yeah. it's, there's, there's always, it, it, it's part of God's plan. It happened. There's a reason. I don't have to know why I can, for me, I can just look at Rylan and Abby and go, okay, if that's the only reason it happened, I'm good. But one of the things I'm constantly telling my girls is do not settle. Do not, do not, do not hope that someone's going to change. Do not hope that you're going to be able to change them. Have a list of absolutes that this, this person are, these are deal breakers. Now you can have some that score a, if the score is from a one through a three and they're a two, you can you'll make a judgment call, but you got to have some list that this person is not right for me. And so talk a little bit about kind of, as much as you want about the journey you had with in this relationship that you finally realized in my in my opinion the best word to think about is ultimately it would have been if not already toxic. Oh. And mm -hmm. So um and before I even continue about relationships, I just want to say for the record that you know, it's it's not all the other person. I won't Never sit here. I'm not Never you're, is. you're not going to sit here and hear me blame another person Same. or other people outside the relationship. Yep. You're going to sit here and listen to me talk about just what happened and what could have been better, what could have been worse, and what I learned. And so, you know, I will never, ever talk down about somebody I've been with. That is somebody I gave my time to. That is someone I put my effort into. And that's somebody that I will actually forever be grateful for. Um, you know, it was only a five-month relationship. And I know me me and Jason have known each other now, what, three years? And and we didn't, we haven't talked much, but the staff retreat kind of reconnected us again. And I had no idea about your story about the first marriage and and it made me sit back and go man what the heck have I been upset about the last few months and <laughs> and I've actually you know I've improved a lot since December and that's when it ended um but basically I just you know I met an individual um off of a dating app and we we were both in a, in a position where we really wanted a relationship and because I'd never had one she had been in a few but I had never had one um and I was so basically desperate to give somebody I, I always said if a girl would just let me meet their parents and just see who I am and give me a chance. I would show them that I'm somebody that you're going to want to lock up. I'm going to, I'm going to sell myself to you because 
that's who I am. I'm, I'm somebody who's good. I'm, I believe in family. I believe in, um, I believe in long lasting relationships like that. And I will put the effort in. I will never cheat. I'll never do anything like that. Um, so I said, Oh, as long as, as long as someone just gave me the time to explain, they would be like, Oh, he is a great guy. He's worth it. Um, but, but I noticed, you know, I started rushed into things. We locked up after the second or third date. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few red flags in terms of sensibility, you know, not being able to take some jokes and, <laughs> and just, there's just, it comes to a point where the toxicity was, as I told you in Houston, became, it started picking at my ever so positive outlook on life. And when it started to do that, I started to have feelings of leaving. And once those feelings of leaving enter, you have to, if you're going to leave, which you should, if you're having those thoughts, you have to say to yourself, how do I do this peacefully in a way for both of us? And in that regard, I will admit the first time I tried to leave, it was poor. It was a terrible way to leave. Um, but the second time I did it, which was just two short days later, I knew it was necessary. Yeah. I knew it was necessary. And I said to myself, I'm never going to let that happen again. Yeah. Um, but I will be forever grateful for the experience. And it was, I can be, I can say, thankfully and luckily, there was no kids involved, no pregnancies. There's no physical, uh, physical altercations. There's no, there's no bad blood. It was simply... I have to go and yeah. I have to make this better for both of us because if you linger, I was watching this video the other day. It's talking about if you want to leave, a lot of people will just say, oh, I've been with them so long. Oh, gosh. Or yes. I, I, how can I leave? Or I'll feel my mine was I'll feel so bad for them. I can't do that. <laughs> Same. I will. Yeah, I know that. And they said the brief few moments of pain because it will be bad. I never thought how bad it could be until I actually was a participant in the breaking up of a couple. Yeah. I did it. I felt so bad. I still feel bad thinking about how I did it, but am I grateful and glad that I did do it? Yes. Yep. I still look back and say, wow, I feel so bad yep. of how I did that. Because this is a person you said you love. This is a person you said I'll never leave. This is a person you said I'm going to be there for you through the tough times. And you're about to break that promise. Yep. And once you do, you're glad that you got out of that toxic relationship, but you're always going to look back and say, I could have improved on how I left, which is where I learned. And now I go forward knowing I have to wait for the right person. I'm not going to sit here and say, I need a relationship. That's yeah. not the right way to do it. Sorry, that was a little lengthy, but no, <laughs> I man. start rambling. <laughs> no, dude, it's perfect. And I think it's important. You know, so I'm reminded of it. It's a, it's a book I read that it said something to this effect of a lot of the reasons. Well, oh, I know what it was. It was in Atomic Habits by James Clear. Oh, I know that book. Yeah. Where I haven't he, read it, but I know it. It's fantastic. You, you should read it. And, um, he talks about the tyranny of now yes, versus the reward that comes later. You know, we, so many of us, we won't accept, you know, the tyranny of now, it, 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 it puts us into a long-term bad place because we're not willing to go ahead and just get it, just deal with it. And I remember for me, like I dated one girl um, after my divorce. And then when I realized I wasn't going to marry her, I was like, well, Unless I'm going to get married again, which I didn't think I ever would, mm -hmm. uh, I was like, "This just—it's not fair to her. It's not fair to me." And I—I and I knew it was time to get out, and so went through a similar thing. And then I watched this deal. I don't know if you—have you ever seen that uh, Netflix special? I'm not your guru, but about Tony Robbins. Okay, there is this scene where there's this lady that Tony Robbins is talking to. And he's having this kind of, she's in this kind of place with, that we've both been in where, you know, you, you know, in your heart of hearts, if someone were to say, snap, snap, tell me, gun to your head, if you could break up with this person right now, would you? You know, the answer would be yes. But you just, but if you given time to think about it, you're like, but I don't want to hurt them. I'm it's a nice so guy. I'm comfortable mm -hmm. most of the time. Yeah, maybe it's me. I don't know. So, and so he goes and while he, this lady is in one of his date with destiny uh, retreats. And he said, she said, he's like, right now, what would you do? If you could get out of this relationship, what would you do? And she said, I would. And he goes, okay, call them, call him right now. And she did. And it was awful. The guy was like, I mean, man, poor guy. I mean, now he's on Netflix, you know, he's, of course. And, 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 but nevertheless, I remember watching that going, it really is that simple. It's so hard, mm -hmm. but when you're talking, and I try to, I try it's, to preach it's very that. Hard. Oh, dude, it's, it's very so hard. terrible. It's not easy. I, if I can add into it, I remember the two weeks leading up. It was really a whole month, but the two weeks leading up, I said to myself, I would sit there and just start thinking, is this it? 
Is yeah. this <laughs> is this what a you know a marriage feels like? I mean, we're five months in, and it's starting to feel like I'm trying to rekindle a 15 year oh. marriage. And I said to myself, you know, I'm starting to realize you can't just do things for anyone. You know, I have to say to myself, look, I would do these things for my wife. She's not my wife. Yes. I can't treat her like that if she's not actually that person. And I'm, I'm going to treat her with self-respect. I'm going to treat her with dignity. And I have to say to myself, I can't string her along. Right. If I'm going to sit here and think like this. she And the sad part is you're right. That person next to you, laying next to you, sitting next to you, has no idea that you're thinking this. <laughs> right. And it's sad because it's like you're tricking them. You're deceiving them. Exactly. So you need to come out. I, I read uh, Jordan Peterson's Beyond 12 Rules, the second book, yeah. 12 Rules of Life. I can safely say chapter 10. And I actually read this right next to her because I was reading the book while we were just, we would lounge around. I was reading this chapter. I read it twice. I never read things twice. Um, that book, that chapter persuaded me to do it. And, Tell and me about things. it because I haven't read, I've read 12, 12, so, 12 Rules for Life, but I have not read the new so, one. So the second book, Rule 10, I won't spoil much. I don't obviously have the whole chapter memorized. I think it's 45 pages, that chapter. It talks about how to keep the romance in your your, your relationship alive. And so he's a clinical psychologist, obviously, and he uh, he only sees a person in the other person in a relationship if the person that he is seeing as a client specifically requests it. So he won't say, "Hey, do you have a person? Uh. Do you have a couple? Do you have a boyfriend? I bring them in." No, he won't ask. And then when they do come in, if they bring that partner in, he will talk about, "Hey, you should still go see a couples therapist." So he gives them that option. So he says, okay, so what's wrong with the relationship? And they'll say, well, we went, we, we don't really date or anything. He goes, what do you mean, why don't you date? He goes, you've been married 15 years. He goes, we're just not good at it. We always wind up fighting, we're miserable. And he says, so you went on one date and that's it? He says, picture this. The average couple, let's just say they go out twice a week. Twice a week, every week, that's 100 times a year. And that's times it by 30. You're good. You've already vowed forever. That's times by 30. What's that? 3,000 yeah, days? Three, much, yeah. what, that's a huge number. So there's one date. Yeah. You didn't give it a shot. Yeah. Let's just say you're bad at dating. Give it a shot. Try 10 times, 15 times. Maybe you might be happy on the 20th. Yeah. But that's still less about 5%. That's nothing. So you've already made these vows to each other. You've already said that I'm going to be with you forever. And you won't even give the chance to just date them. Yeah. You think that innocence is supposed to be left in the premarital t uh, side of a relationship? Absolutely not. And so now you've just given up on the person. You've given up on yourself, too, about happiness, simply because you believe this is the new normal. Yeah. And I said, that was just one part of the chapter, and just, it blew my mind. I said, I can't, I can't believe what I'm reading. This is actually pure gold. Yeah, and it's so true. You know, you know it just came to my mind. You know what that's like? I think a lot of people treat a marriage like a swimming pool that... Their, their, their wedding day, they get the chemicals just right. It's beautiful. It's sparkling. Everything's perfect, right? And then they think, well, I'll just have to put some chemicals in every once in a while. But they Keep don't. It turns it. green. Mm -hmm. you know, and then it gets disgusting. And then what happens? They bitch and piss and moan about this swimming pool. But the hole's already in the ground. It's got to have water in it. So they just kind of do the bare minimum to get by with this swimming pool. That's the way a lot of and people they say it's too much to clean. Exactly. And they can never get exactly. back. Exactly. I don't have mm -hmm. time, you know, or are they, yeah, or they outsource it to somebody else. So therefore they don't even have to pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good little analogy. You just can't it is. It's, there, it's, it's, I, I, I would say, I just wonder what, what could I do to be better? And I was starting to see that. When it's the person I was with was very anxious. She had diagnosed, you know, anxiety stuff mm -hmm. and, and very, very much an overthinker. And it doesn't help that she didn't have good role models in past relationships to be. Uh, she, she didn't have good relationship models, for example, a, a parents that are still together, a healthy relationship example. Right. And so I tried to I tried to, you know, fix that. And once I realized I can't fix certain things. Right. It's time for me to really take a step back and say, hey, look. You can't be the fixer. You can't just let it roll over you and be on all, you know, you can't just, you can't be the person that bears all the burdens every time something goes wrong. And even if it is your fault. So you need to really venture out and you need to find someone who's more mature and open. I mean, there was, there was little triggers that, that personally, I can't believe were even fights yeah. you know, on some things. And, yeah. and I just took a step back and I said, wow, I really got off easy. Because yeah. I used to say to myself, well, you know, we have we have 
we have a gym membership together. I got I got to stay together, right? That's what happens when it becomes yeah. a lease. Yeah. And then yeah. a house and a right. mortgage and a child. Right. Forget it. Right. Those are way bigger. You're getting off easy. Yeah. So I said to myself, this has got to happen. Yeah. And it happened. And I've been so much better off. Um, I've been healthier in the mind. Yeah. Healthier physically, mentally. And I am so grateful for the experience. Yeah. I'm not going to resent that. I wish it would have went differently. Right. I wish. There's so many things I look back. I wish I would have did differently. I wish she would have did differently. I wish we would have both done differently. But there's just some things you can't fix and some things you have to sit back and appreciate. Well, yeah, and, and a relationship, a lot of ways like that, once you come out on the other side of it, it's a lot like a, um, a business that you start and fails. It's, a, it's an education. At the, end of, at the end of the day, you know what not to do. Street again. education. Absolutely. You know a lot of things. So when you were going through that, did you talk to other people? Did you, did you read anything? I mean, what kind of helped you, you know, sort out these, these thoughts and stuff mm-hmm. that you ultimately said, yeah, I, I'm out. I got to get out of this. So, so I had to, I had to seek outside help myself, um, in terms of not, not professionally or anything, but you know, just some friends who have been there, done that mm-hmm. with relationships. Cause keep in mind, this is my first real relationship. This is my first, you know, relationship where I actually committed I said, I'm your boyfriend, you're my girlfriend, and I, I don't date to waste time. I date to marry. So so yeah. I obviously see myself saying, okay, this could be my wife. You know, She had a lot of qualities my mom has. She was a very good person. Uh, she's still a good person. Um, there's a lot of things I just can't change or fix. So um, I saw myself being with this person forever. And so what I would do is I'd ask friends, you know, I'm going through this situation. What do I do? A lot of people normally wouldn't take that advice, or at least they'd hear it and they'd say, okay, I'll do something, and then they don't. And I had a few friends, a few colleagues tell me, man, that doesn't sound good. Yeah. And I've, I've had some friends where they'll text me, and they think I'm texting differently, and particularly girls and that are friends, and, and they'll say, is she texting for him? He's acting different. We, we don't hear from him anymore. He doesn't check in because I wasn't allowed to. And that's just another toxic aspect. Absolutely. You know, I was so transparent. I would, I would tell her, hey, someone's texting me. Um, hey, we got invited to something. It was a problem. It was a big problem. Um, and once I realized that that's not normal, uh, that took stronghold. And I did, like I said, I, I seek counsel from friends and my parents. And I said, yeah, what I'm hearing is that this isn't right and this isn't healthy. And I needed to cease the unhealthy behavior. Yeah. You know what? You know what? Um, there are people that are going to hear this and they're going to think you and I are freaking out of our minds when we say if. I wouldn't consider marrying you, then I'm not going to date you. No, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And I'm, you know, I have a lot of friends who get married young. I'm, I'll say this compared to New York, a lot of my friends get married younger down here. Really? Uh, I think New it's York, true. I think that's, yeah, that makes sense. It's it's very normal for, at least in New York, for, for example, the, the, the female to stay at home until she's married. Mm. Um, down here, girls are on their own. That's fine. Yeah. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, and a lot of people get married, they're mid, they're early twenties. And I say to myself, if you told me I had to marry that individual mm-hmm. at 23 and have a kid, I, I know I'm not ready. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going crazy. I, I have a lot of long time. I, I understand how to valuable my time is. And, and just to, I mean, I know I would shoulder res- the responsibility. Like my dad said, you got to do what you got to do. But to understand that you, you have to take that on. Yeah. It, that, that's insane. That's that, that's. I'm not ready for that. And it has to be with the right person. Right. So, you know, marriage is not something that I, I don't take lightly whatsoever. That is, that will be the heaviest decision. Forget buying a house. Forget, forget buying a new car. For, you know, marriage is, that's the person you're choosing to take on life with. Absolutely. And life's challenges. Life is already hard enough and it's too short to make it miserable. So you might as well try find the person that you want to do it with. And, it is so hard to find. Not everybody, every, a lot of people get married. Not everybody finds the love of their life, their soulmate. Right. Just because you're married, just because the government says that you're, you're Mr. and Mrs., that doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Yeah. And I'm, I will be somebody who will work at it. And I say that now, but I mean it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my grandparents were married 50, over 50 years. You know, God rest both their souls. Um, they're, st- they're laughing in heaven right now. Yeah. Um, my grandfather always tell me, uh, Work now, play later. You don't need a girl. You don't need a girl. And I always put it off. But, you know, I'm, I'm just a little more settled down now. I want to venture out there. It's, it's hard. It's hard to find the right person with the same values. Um, so you have to really, really be patient. Man, you, you, you said something there. that, And I think that was one of the biggest things about this whole idea of being, you know, as a, as a Christian, we call it, you know, being equally yoked. We have similar values. You know, we so 
And I tell my girls all the time because, you know, if they were to bring home someone that say, you know, my girls are Christians and they bring home a guy that's an atheist, it's not that I have anything against atheists, but the challenges that that brings to their life, it's kind of like a Republican and a Democrat. Can it work? Yeah, you can have a liberal and a conservative marry, but you have, you come from different value positions mm-hmm. and it just, it's a challenge to your point. Life's hard enough as it is. You're just adding a hell of a challenge to, to the mix. And I think a lot of people, again, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. They just take it. They don't understand how, what that means. And, you know, I'll never forget, um, there's, there was a couple of issues uh, with that one girl that I dated and you, you like them so much that you want to think, I like them so much. I can overcome the fact that they don't believe in X or they think it's okay to Y, but, but you know, that's because we want we have the self fulfilling prophecies because I want this to, to work, work so I want this to work so bad. Want two pieces to fit that don't necessarily that don't fit. necessarily. So so what you do is you spend your lifetime trying to whittle whittle away mm-hmm. at the edges of this thing, and that hurts whenever you're trying to take somebody and whittle them down into to fit into this hole that they were never meant to be in to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I think so many people forget that. All right, so. You know, Giovanni, there's probably some uh, single young ladies listening to the Jason Wright show. I do, I do have quite a female demographic according to my uh, research. I do, which is kind of odd. (laughs) I did not know this coming in. It's kind of (laughs) odd. So, tell me, how have you have you made a list, or do you have a mental note of this is what I want my future wife to to to? I want Mm -hmm. these. This is these. This is the kind of the 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 list that's. No compromise. Of, this is what of course, um, you know, and they, they, you know, science usually tells us that men will go after uh, women who tend to look like and act like their mother, and yep. girls will do the same with their father. Yep. Uh, so everything that my mother is, I would love to have in a spouse. I would love that. Um, I'm never going to find somebody. Everyone will say that. I'm never going to find somebody like my mother. It's never going to happen. What a compliment um, to your mom, dude. That's oh, awesome. She's amazing. I hope she she's going to, I hope she's going to listen to this. Yeah. I hope she does. Yeah. And she's the best woman in the world. Awesome. Man. Um, I I would love to find somebody who will, you know, put up with my crap <laughs> and cook and clean and do all that. And of course, I'm going to help out with that, but um, she just does it all better. Right. Um, and I just, I, I have a list. I definitely have a list. I never wrote it down, but I do have a list of certain compromises that will just not be made. Um, you know, for example, I, I want to know, you know, I want to know what your past relationships were like. I want to know. I want to understand what what happened. I want to know what, what why did they end? Right. Who ended them? What happened? Just just to be open and honest. It doesn't have to be poured out on the first date. Sure. It should be talked about, especially before I put a ring on your finger. Right. And you put a ring on mine. I want you to know what you're getting into. I will be a completely transparent. Those are just, that's one aspect. It's not usually something we think about. Um, but, you know, uh, it's just certain things like that, especially family oriented. But this goes back to almost like a po- political argument. You know, we I had somebody I spoke to earlier this week. They said, you know, we basically have the same values, even though they they are left leaning and I'm right leaning. But and I said, you know, it's not necessarily the values that will differ. It's those it's just like politics. There's a problem out there, but we will disagree that how to come up to a solution to mm. fix that problem. Yeah. We may agree that it's both pro- almost this is a problem, but we may disagree on how to get rid of homelessness. Right. So um, that's where our differences lie. So th- yeah, there's a few, there's a few compromises that I just, I wouldn't let go. And especially unfaithfulness, that's the biggest one, obviously. Yeah. Um, I will be loyal to down to the bone. Yeah. Um, but you know, unfaithfulness is something that just, that will not be tolerated. Yeah. And it's, it's not something that, that can be overlooked. Just imagine how could you as a couple, you're sitting there, and then one day someone's unfaithful. Let's say you do forgive them. And I heard your story. How do you even forgive that? You're going to think in the back of your mind all the time. They were enjoying intimacy with somebody else. They were giving you. Yeah. They were giving. They were taking that from you and giving it to somebody else. How dare you? Yeah. That's a spit in the face. I could never sit through that and yeah. stay. That's it's, I don't know. That's why your story just touches. I was reading your story and then you told me about it in Houston. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Well, I tell you, man, it's someone once described it to me as it's like trying to piece back together a broken egg. You can't. It's just it it, it it's very it, yeah it it's it's a deal. But uh, which, by the way, so how far are you into uh, push play now? I'm on chapter three. Yeah. I have one last project for school. It's due one week from yeah. yesterday. So yeah. I have six days. Once that's done, I will be reading for fun. 
and I will be finally settling down. I'm going to finish that book this uh, definitely in May. For uh, for all you listeners out there, if you want to read my first book, Push Play: Taking Your Life Off Pause, which basically describes my escape from corporate America into entrepreneurship, and uh, you know, it's uh, guaranteed not to change your life, but it looks it'll look really good next to your toilet. It's uh, <laughs> you know, and so, Jason's face is on the front, so you'll right. have a good face of if <laughs> yeah. you don't have any pictures in your place, you'll have one. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. So so there's that. Luckily, I got a signed copy. Well, absolutely. <laughs> brother absolutely all right so now what does your reading habit look like and how do you this and this is a good question that i probably i'm not sure i can answer this myself um well i think i can if pressed but how do you choose your books now and you know how important has reading become to to you because i'm always mm-hmm. talking about how important so, it is. so they say don't judge a book by its cover however i am so drawn into a book when the cover looks good i hate to yeah. say it. that's how they get you yeah um I will go to half price books and I will go strictly to the um, the political and, and constitutional section. I love those books. Yep. I love reading about things that have happened, how they affect the future. Um, and I so my, my problem is I will try and sit down and read a whole chapter. And you can't you shouldn't do that. I I especially reading all these years in school about to have this master's degree. I, I, I even asked one of the people in our office in Washington, D.C. I said, how, how am I going to get through all this reading for graduate school classes? I feel like I have undiagnosed ADHD. I'm always colicky. I'm always moving. I'm mm-hmm. always fidgeting. How am I supposed to sit here and concentrate on one word at a time, one line, one paragraph, one chapter, when I just want to get it over with so I can relax later? Like, how am I supposed to do that? I rush through it. So um, in terms of how I read, I try to read one chapter at a time, and it's not healthy. I'm trying to... Take time, actually just understand and enjoy it. Yep. Um, with your book, it's actually pretty free-flowing and easy. It's how I so talk. You're just I, talking I, about life. I, I hear I, your voice. Yeah, I, I cool. literally what people hear your said. voice. <laughs> when I listen to people's podcasts and I find their books through their podcasts, I listen to it in their voice, yeah, not yeah. my voice. Right. But the way I pick books is definitely going to half-price books, Goodwill, finding some um, old books there. And, and and then maybe I'll go on Amazon, find something that just came out, like Dave Rubin's Don't Burn This Country. Yeah. Um, and something like that. And I, I will genuinely enjoy reading them um, because they're just about what, what we could do to help fix tomorrow yeah. for our kids. Because after all, we always fight about politics and government because we want to try and improve the life, leave the country in a good place so our kids will understand why we did it this way. Right. You know— one of the things you said there that I have just come to the realization of, and it's it, and you know maybe this this may be seen by this audience as a bit of a backtracking. So uh, there's a book right there by Jim Quick called Limitless, and oh, I've seen that. And so that's where I got the idea to read a book a week, which I still try to do. I still try to read a book a week. But here's what was happening to me, kind of like your deal about reading a chapter. I became obsessed with the speed at which I was writing as opposed to what abs- absorbing the mm-hmm. content. And, 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 now, and, to, and Jim Quick, I, I, that's a great book, and, and he talks about strategies to not only read fast but also to comprehend. Um, but, you know, Novel Ravikant, he, made a, he, he said something completely different than trying to read a lot of books. He said, instead, find a few really good books and read them over and over. And so what I heard that before. Yeah. And I tell you, man, so I just, I mentioned the, um, atomic habits. Mm -hmm. I I have gone back and I have reread that. Is it like watching a movie and then catching new things when you watch it again? It is. And it, 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 but the, and the thing is you, you look at a book that's on average, what, 200, 230 pages. Mm -hmm. You just can't retain all that. Cause there will be times like, like for example, you're trying to get through a chapter, you get about, you know, three fourths the way through that that final fourth, you're just going to kind of like, Ugh. it, it yeah. may or may not stick. And bottom line is the eighty twenty rule probably applies for each chapter, for even each book. Probably eighty percent of the impact of that book will be contained in twenty percent of the sentences, the chapters, whatever. So go back and have a compounding effect of that and go, there's probably another 20% that you can yield another 80% of benefit in that second reading. And so I, and also used to always try to to use my fingers, my guide to kind of help me read faster. Now I don't do that. And I I just, I've, I've tried my best to just realize it might take me more time to get through a book, but here's the thing. I thought I'm going to be, I'm going to slow my reading way back down. Um, but that actually hasn't been the case as long as the book is good. Like one that I keep talking about right now, I'm just so jazzed up about is Dave Grohl's book, um, uh, his autobiography, uh, the founder of the Foo Fighters. Mm-hmm. 
Such a great book. I mean, I mowed through that thing in about five days. I think The War on the West by Douglas Murray, I think that one will probably go really fast. Uh, Stephen King's On Writing, which I'm going to knock that out. That one's more of a, uh, like what I do with Stephen King's On Writing, it, right now anyway, is I will read it, I'll at least a chapter usually, as inspiration to sit down and, and get to writing, mm-hmm. you know, because I've got some other book ideas I'm working on right now. And so, um, so I think that you're right holding yourself to that chapter a day. I'm trying to figure that out now. It's like, what, what's the magic? I think the bottom it's line is... It's not even in a day. It's in a sitting. I try yeah, to do sitting, that. Yeah, and see. it's for school mostly because it'll be like, oh, here, module one will be chapters one through three. Well, yeah. if I have a week to do the module, let me do a chapter every other day. And then at the end of the module, you know, it's hard because you're, you're scheduling things. And I understand that for school. But for reading for fun... You're forgetting the point. You're reading for fun. <laughs> exactly. So why rush it? You know why? Why? Why go to a baseball game and then and then say and, and rush yourself? Right, That's the, with. It's the only game where there's no time limit, so you could sit there actually enjoy. Then you don't know when you're going to leave. Right. So just sit back and enjoy it. Right. You make time for yourself. So and and I actually go back and think about you know Jordan Peterson's book that yep. Rule Ten. I've not read the book through twice. I've started the tenth the 10th rule for the second time now because I want to go back and see what I learned from that relationship when I'm applying and now I'm actually seeing things I didn't remember. Right. And I didn't remember seeing because I was so quick. I just wanted to get through it. Right. So you're right. Going back and trying to read again, it is almost like reading and watching a movie. Yeah. And catching, hey, I didn't know they were in this or wow, I didn't even see that the first time. So that does make sense. I never even thought to doing that. All right. So of all this, uh, of all your tactics that you're deploying to kind of, you know, to, to keep yourself constantly improving and, you know, having that compound, what's your biggest challenge? Um, it used to be consistency. It's no longer consistency. Uh, consistent. It is definitely um, the mind games. It's, it's, being, it's being your own worst enemy. Mm. No one is stopping me from going to the gym. No one's stopping me from eating somewhat of the right foods. No one's stopping me from reading or journaling. No one's stopping me. So who would be the only person to stop me? Me. Any bad habit that I participate in, it's my fault. And as I continue to be a participant in those bad habits, I'm, I'm the one at fault. So there, you got to take those steps to get those habits, get rid of those habits. For example, when I lived at a par, uh, an apartment with my fraternity brother a year ago this month, um, I had a mini oven in my kitchen. And I had a full kitchen. So I would, instead of eating what I eat now, I'll compare it a year ago to now. A year ago, I was eating fried chicken tenders, uh, frozen pizzas, and, um, and, and, and tortillas, and obviously unhealthy. How am I eating pizza three times a week? <laughs> How is this a thing? A whole DiGiorno, big crusted pizza, chicken tenders with this rice and fried food. How am I doing this? So then I moved. I'm in a studio close to downtown. I don't have a full kitchen. There's a mini oven there. But I said to myself, I'm not plugging it in. Mm. And I can safely tell you 11 months into the lease, I have yet to plug that thing in. So how am I supposed to fry food if I don't even plug it in? Now, this takes a lot of self-discipline. It's sitting there right there waiting for you to plug it in and use it. I could easily go to HEB and buy what I want to eat. I've done a good job. I've actually never plugged that thing in, partially because I think it looks old and I think it's going to set the whole complex on fire. Right. But it's... I've actually made it a habit to where I don't buy chicken tenders. I have yet to buy chicken tenders from H-E-B. I have yet to buy a frozen pizza in the last year. I've never. I've gotten Domino's sometimes. I shouldn't have. I've gotten that less often. It's it's just pushed me to not get it. Now I just get my rotisserie chickens, my rice, my mashed potatoes. Sometimes I could stay maybe some Alfredo. I should cut back on that. But I've seen improvements. I've, yep. I've lost 15 pounds yeah. in the last year. And it's it's – I haven't starved myself. Yeah. I will – Instead of buying chips for the after meal snack, because everybody's craving a little snack after the meal, right? I buy peanuts. Right. Buy low fat peanuts, you know? And peanuts instead of uh instead of these bagels for breakfast, all these cars, I've transitioned to yogurt and granola. And I can thank that into my last relationship. She was the one who introduced me to that. But um I'm thankful. See, I'm thankful for things that I learned in the past relationship and she's taught me a few things now that I've learned how to utilize in my everyday life now. Right. So I've learned to Cut those things out because consistency used to be the big thing. But I, I learned consistency when I was 17 going to the gym every night. Yeah. Um, there's still some things I need to improve on. There's a lot of things. But Always. guess what? Yeah. I have plenty of time. I would like to think to fix those things before they become a habit and maybe ruin another relationship. Right. Which I don't want to do. Right. So and like I said, before I jump in another relationship, I'm going to have myself fixed. Right. Because like I said, the relationship takes two to tango. 
wasn't me. It was both of us. Yeah. It wasn't her. It was both of us. So, um, yeah, those are some things I've definitely worked. I'm trying to work on. Well, you know, there's something there. You, you started that out with, man, controlling your mind. You know, Zeno, the father of Stoic philosophy, he said, he who controls his mind controls the universe. And it's one of those things we take for granted. You know, you got two choices. Uh, either you're going to happen to life or life's going to happen to you. Mm-hmm. And, and we did, we talked about this it's how you in react. Houston, you know, it's like, yeah, it's so many people are just reacting through life. And I think that's part of it goes back to where this whole conversation started is getting up early. You don't have to, but you, if you choose to make these things a part of your life that most people aren't doing, then you are choosing to happen to life. You are proactively determining what your life will look like. You're already ahead of most people by just getting up at that time. Exactly. Exactly. It's your choice. And, um, and so I think that's one of the things that I, it's always one of the, I want people to understand what you just said is that the power of the mind is beyond, it's beyond anything we can really comprehend. You know, Victor Frankel, you know, who actually was in the uh, concentration camps, in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, you know, he that's where he came he, or he, I, I think that's the first time. What a good story. His, oh, Maybe. gosh. His, How do you have meaning? Oh, well, and that's the thing. How do you even get up? It, it, well, exactly. And he found it's despair. it. despair. He said, he, yeah, he's right. He goes, if you can't change your circumstances, you have to change yourself. And he couldn't change circumstances, so he had to change himself, right? And so that's how, um, and you and, and that starts with the, the, what did he say also is that, uh, the, the last thing that we all possess that no one can ever take away is our attitude. That's right. And when you start to, re- and all that's in your mind, you know, and you, when you realize that, um, I think that's where you've got to fight and chance. So, well, brother, this has been fun. It has been fun. I would, I love doing this. Yeah. I love talking about life. So, well, um, it's something I really enjoy. Well, we'll do it again. I appreciate it. And for anyone listening out there, um, if you got any comments, leave them. And if you would, please leave a five-star rating in iTunes. That helps us in the rankings. I would greatly appreciate that. I may put this audio. We, you know, With uh, Giovanni coming in live and not being at the studio, I wanted to film this for the YouTube channel, but I may go ahead and put the audio up there mm-hmm. and maybe just his, uh, his pretty mug so you can listen to it on YouTube. But if you do that, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the Vitruvian Letter. Uh, Uh, That is my weekly newsletter where I just try to compile all the things that I am doing at that time to improve always and always. And until we meet again, please do that. Continue to try to always get just a little bit better. Giovanni, thank you, brother. Thanks, Jason, for having me. All right, man. 